You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How does this year's NBA Draft class compare with last year's? Stay tuned because on today's episode, we are going to combine both draft classes and rank the top 10 players. You are locked on the NBA Draft. It is a Wednesday morning and you are joined by your host today. It is me, Sam Ferris. Hope you have had a good holiday season. Today, we've got a special guest and we, we've got a fun topic today where what we're going to do, as I hinted at, at the top, I've been thinking about comparing this year's draft class to last, especially the top of the classes. And so what we're going to do is a bit of a fantasy draft where we just combine the pool of players from last year's class and this year's class, looking at all of those players as of today. So we have, you know, the first 30 games or so of NBA experience for the rookies and the first, I don't know, third of the college season for the guys in this upcoming class. And we're going to have a fun discussion, but I've got a guest on today to join me to help me break this down. So without further ado, let's bring him on. All right, let's welcome in the guest that I've got on today. If you are a listener of the show, both of the Locked On NBA Draft and previously of the Draft Dummies, you have heard me have Will Morris on the show, and I'm excited to again have him on the show today. You can follow Will at uh, on Twitter at W underscore A W underscore, excuse me, Morris. And he does a lot of just NBA draft work on Twitter, um, a lot of statistical stuff, writes some very good pieces as well. So, Will, thank you for taking the time kind of during this holiday season to chat hoops with me. Thank you so much for coming on. And how's it going for you this afternoon? Uh, it's going really well, Sam. Thank you so much for uh, having me on, too. And happy holidays. I know. Thank you. And happy holidays to all of our listeners. Thank you for making the Locked On NBA Draft your first listen today. And hopefully that is the case every day of the week. And the topic that we've got today is, I think, a, a fun one where we are basically doing like a fantasy draft where we're going to throw all of the prospects for the 2022 NBA Draft class into basically just a pool with also the guys that just got drafted in the previous class. So combining the 21 and 22 draft classes to do an exercise. And basically we're just going to go back and forth, picking guys in the order that we value them from this point, looking forward. So we're not drafting for like teams or anything. We're just drafting to establish some type of kind of like a composite board of these guys moving forward and i'm sure there'll be kind of nuances or thoughts we have as we get into it but i think the easiest way is to just jump into this and normally i would let the guest go first but in this case will and i were kind of talking about this before i think at least in my opinion the number one pick is pretty easy and then you can go a lot of different directions from there um, so in this case, I'm going to take the number one pick because I'm excited to see where Will goes from there. So without further ado, I will select as basically the number one prospect looking forward 
out of these two draft classes, I have Evan Mobley. To me, I I have this tiered out just a little bit, kind of a rough draft. And I do have him basically as the only guy that I have in a tier of his own at the top of my rankings right now. So, Will, did you have him number one on your board as well? Yeah, I did as well. I think, you know, just based off how he's played this season, yeah. um, he's probably moved ahead of Cade for me. Um, I think going into the draft, uh, I had both of those guys neck and neck kind of in the same tier. And I still love Cade, of course. Um, think both of those guys are people who can lead their teams on long playoff runs in the future. But yep. I mean, just the way Mobley's played this season, he's been incredible. Yeah, exactly. And the way that I've described this, at least in my opinion, there's there's just levels to this, especially with rookies where some rookies aren't ready to play at all. Many rookies do play, but just kind of are negative impact guys, especially in their first year, again, in the league. But then there's guys that there's maybe one every draft class that genuinely come in, impact the game in a positive way, and also transform the outlook of a franchise. And Evan Mobley has done that with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I have him number one. I do have him in a tier of his own. And I don't know if you did, Will, because we didn't necessarily discuss exactly how we were going to do this. Did you do tiers or do you kind of have tiers in your in your mind as you went through this or did you just do a straight ranking? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I kind of have some rough tiers. I think Cade, I, I kind of still have in the same tier as him just because I had them in the same tier um, going yeah. into that draft. And I didn't want to like go back on all my previous evaluations and Kate yeah. has obviously played very well um, in the last 10 games or so, or, you know, 10, 15 games after kind of a shaky start. Yep. Um, so yeah, I guess I have both of those guys kind of in the same tier. Okay. So I just spoiled your pick then. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you have Cade number two. Um, I, I, I do have Cade number two. Okay. So just those two guys in a tier by themselves at the top. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I guess with the second pick, I, I'd go with Cade. Okay. Um, and yeah, just give me a quick kind of explanation. H have you changed your outlook on him much at all since pre-draft? Has there been anything just kind of high level that has stood out to you as you've watched the first like 25 games of his NBA career? Yeah. I mean, I think the passing of course has been very good. You know, he's averaging six assists per game over his last 10 games. Um, the shot has started to fall a little better. That pull-up three is starting to fall a little bit more. Um, I think my only like real concern with him is that his free throw rate isn't very good. He's not getting to the line or getting to the rim that much, which I kind of expected, but I didn't think it would be this much of a prop, an issue with him. Like only 16% of, of his field goal attempts are coming within three feet of the basket, um, which is a tad bit concerning, but... At the same time, he's still played really well. And, you know, the Pistons aren't really a team with great spacing. Uh, they're 29th in three-point percentage as a team. So, um, you know, I expect it to be a little bit easier for him to get to the rim as, you know, the spacing of that offense improves. But all in all, I mean, I've still been pretty imp impressed with how Cade has played, especially in the last uh, 10, 15 games or so. 
Yeah, I, I generally agree. I I do have him actually a few spots lower. So th this whole ranking, I don't know if it was for you. Outside of Mobley, it was very difficult for me to put this list together. <laughs> I actually had Cade down at fifth, um, which Ooh, wow. maybe I'm <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm adjusting too much already. And like we could argue, um, you know, how worried you are based on what you've seen, how much of that is just the talent around him, which is very, very poor right now on the Pistons. You brought up some of the numbers. I'll add on a few. I, I'm just a little bit worried, like the two-point shooting or like the explosiveness, the ability to score inside the three-point line. Two-point shooting this year, 44%, and it was 46% in college. It kind of underlines a little bit of his lack of explosiveness, again, inside the three-point line. And yeah, like the reason why I did have him number one last year on top of all of the pre-college sample, like it was, everything was there with him, but then we saw the pull-up shooting in his lone year in college. But I think I checked this morning, he's shooting 21% on pull-up threes this year, which is somewhat discouraging. And so we do have to kind of wonder if last year was a little bit of, of an outlier and there have been whispers that he's changed the form a little bit. So I'm just battling with how much I really wanted to change that. And yes, I, I am worried that I might've bumped him down too much already. And it's kind of that thing where it's like, uh, it's a little bit of the known versus unknown quantity again. in like that family guy episode where you see that meme where it's like, <laughs> Can you have the boat or do you want the package that might be a boat next year, right? So <laughs> did I move him down too far? I have him down at number five. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, any other like quick rebuttals to, to my stats or my points on Cade before we move on? Yeah, I guess I think a lot of our discrepancy here is just I'm not all that worried about the shot. Like it's 169 attempts. It's 25 games. So Yep. You know, I don't want to like get too crazy and he's still shooting well from the free throw line. Um, I don't know. I think just like some of the early season, like three point percentage numbers are just, you know, I, I just always try to be a little careful with those. Yeah, that's true. In, in terms of my order of worry about him, for sure, number one would be the lack of getting to the rim and the free throw line um, to go along with kind of the lack of explosiveness would be number one. And then like number two, I guess as well is I just uh, like last year in college, he was generally listed at like six, eight, and now it's like he's six, six. And I don't know, that kind of does matter a little bit. And like seeing him live at summer league, he was basically about the same size as Killian Hayes, like maybe an inch taller. And so that does limit a little bit of him in terms of like that jumbo creator, which now he's more of like shooting guard size at six, six. I don't know. Is that, it's kind of just weird to me how sometimes you just see the size guys are listed at, for example, Benedict Matherin is a number, another one where last year he was listed at six, seven. And my dad and I went and watched him play in Las Vegas um, against Michigan earlier this season. And, you know, uh, he follows the draft, but not as much as I do. And he's like, oh, how tall is that guy? And I'm like six, seven. And then we look at the at the program and now <laughs> he's listed at like six, five or six, six, depending where you look. And I went and looked at uh, Bart Torvik and last year was listed at six, seven, now six, six. So 
this just happens sometimes. That's kind of one of the reasons why it's helpful to see these guys in person as well, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, no, I, I think I think colleges definitely tend to inflate the heights of players. <laughs> for sure. Um, okay, um, I will do my third pick here, and that is Jalen Green. Um, I still have him ranked that highly. I had him neck and neck with Cade basically coming into the draft. And after his performance in summer league, which maybe I did value too much. Again, I had those neck and neck leaving summer league as well. Again, my point though about Cade being, you know, my worries with Cade in terms of the first 30 games of their NBA career, you could make the same case with Jalen Green. I think he probably has the worst plus minus at this point in through 30 games and the Rockets magically went on like an 11 game winning streak when he went out. Do those concern me slightly, but it's, you just don't see rookies generally, especially of that archetype generally affect winning positively. And just his physical tools to me are just still so ridiculous. His ability to score. I think I just still value that. And I still think that he is going to be, one of the elite perimeter scorers. We might see something of a similar rookie season to Anthony Edwards, where he turns it on the second half of his rookie year and really changes the outlook on him. In other words, it's just more of the eye test with me where I still buy all of it. And I'm not too worried about the 30 game sample from him so far. So I have him at number three. I've always been a little bit higher on him. Where did he fall on your list? I'm guessing you're going to have him at least a few spots lower than I do. Yeah, looking now, I think I have him at like seven. Um, but no, I mean, I think that like to me, like the three through eight range, you can really order however you want. Yeah. Um, and I mean, he's, you know, it's it's tough to expect like a six five rookie who's 19 years old and less than 180 pounds less than 180 pounds to like put together an efficient season. So I'm not all that worried by the 19 game sample so far from Jalen green. And I mean, he's shooting 66% at the rim. So I think that, that, that like those like incredible contortion finishes and that uh, impressive vertical leaping ability, that's all translated to the NBA, but you know, the, the shot making just hasn't came yet. And there's still plenty of plenty of time for it to come. Yep. The interesting thing is in his first game back, I don't know if you saw like the highlights or anything. I think he was like, he was like six of eight from three, something like that. Tiny sample doesn't mean that much, but like if it's been hamstring injuries for him. So if there's anything he could work on while he was injured, it's the jump shot, right? So you would expect or hope that that continues to improve. And if so, I think we're going to see a more efficient second half of the rookie season from him. So through the first three picks, we've gone Mobley, Cade, and Jalen Green, so all 2021 picks. Let's take a quick break to hear from some of our sponsors, and then we will continue with this uh, fantasy draft. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It is just a business scam out to get you. Do not let greedy corporations pocket your money. So download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for those subscriptions that you do not want, need, or that you've simply forgotten about. 
On average, people have saved up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Again, don't fall for these subscription subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Again, that is Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, so I went... Uh, I went Mobley, you went Cade second, and then it came back to me and I took Jalen Green. So, Will, you are up again with those three guys off the board. Who do you have highest remaining? Yeah, so I guess I'm going to mix it up and go with the the twenty go to the 2022 class here. Um, and my number one player in this class right now is Jabari Smith Jr. Um, and I don't know, maybe this might seem a little bit high for Jabari because I don't necessarily think he's um like a number one perimeter initiator type on a championship level team but i think he's kind of the perfect second fiddle um i think that you know he's gonna bring two very elite skills to the table right away with his perimeter defense and his potential switchability on that end and his shooting Um, And just some numbers on the shooting and how rare of a shooting season that Jabari Smith is having right now. Um, So in terms of drafted players since 2008 in the Bartorvik database that are 6'9 or taller to shoot over 35% from three, 75% from the foul line, and take over seven threes per 100, the only uh, players are Lori Markkinen, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Grant Jarrett, another Arizona guy. Yeah. Um, but Jabari is blowing all of those marks out of the water. Um, he's taking over 10 threes per 100, shooting 45% on them and making over 80% of his free throws. So even with like the lower thresholds for players at this height, there is, have barely been any. And for yeah. people that are hitting Jabari Smith Smith's thresholds, what he's doing this season... Um, there have been none. So, I mean, obviously, you know, we'll see if the shooting, hot shooting regresses a little bit in SEC play. But to me, this is like a genuinely special shooting prospect. And yeah, I mean, there are obviously concerns with his vertical athleticism and his inside the, inside the arc scoring. Um, but, you know, I think, again, he's bringing two potentially elite skills to the table at six foot nine or six foot 10 with his uh, shooting and his perimeter defense yeah the funny thing is that you know we toss around the term generational too often but there just doesn't come along guys with that size and shooting that often and the other funny thing is that we thought or at least i thought there was one of those guys in this draft and i thought it was probably pat baldwin uh to start the year in terms of just the the height plus shooting and that has turned out to be Jabari Smith. Now, I, I was very high on Jabari Smith coming into the year. I had him number four, which was higher than the consensus at that time. And I now have him in my top two. So we basically, we have him in the same exact spot, which is fourth on this ranking today. And that is where he comes in. Um, yeah, so I think we're pretty much in lockstep there with Jabari Smith. I will go next. And the guy that I have next is Paulo Boncaro, who I still have those guys 1-2 on my board for this coming draft. Same tier for me, both 
just in terms of obviously my ranking of the 2022 guys, but also in this exercise we're doing today. Offensively, again, at that size, he does it differently than Jabari Smith, where it's more inside the arc. He's very good finishing at the rim. The um, the mid the mid range self creation has been very good. We've seen him hit step backs, pull ups, but we've seen him also get all the way to the rim and the handle in the half court is solid as well for a guy of that size. And I do believe in the jump shot, especially from three coming along at least to uh, you know above average, so that the rest of his game will work appropriately. the The part that I might be a little bit more worried about with him is just defensively where he might be more of just kind of an average all around instead of really a standout in any like one phase of the defensive side of the ball. Um, So real quick, um, I think you have Chet number two in the 2022 class. Is that correct? I do. Yeah, I do. Um, What would be your quick kind of executive summary of why you have Paulo Boncaro third behind uh, those two guys. Yeah, I guess I, I have similar concerns with Paulo as you, I think defensively, he, to me, at least he also kind of projects as someone who's probably just going to defend his position and isn't, yeah. doesn't really have like the positional versatility as someone like Jabari or like that elite rim protection that Chet's going to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I think I, I do have Paulo in the same tier as these, as those two guys, just because, you know, the, what he brings to the table offensively as a, you know, mid post scorer and the guy who's when he wants to be just so strong and powerful getting to the rim. Um, but like, I don't know, there's times where I just feel like his, the way he, I, I don't know what to call it, but like his approach is just not ideal like I think he settles for jumpers too much sometimes and like his passing is weird to me because I was kind of expecting that to be a a positive coming into the season and there are definitely moments where he's getting doubled and uh like he'll find an open man on the perimeter but there are also times where he'll miss really easy reads and settle for a very contested 12 footer so I don't know I guess there's just some concerns I have there that keep him below these two guys, but still, I mean, he's a fantastic prospect and I can totally see why you have him where you do. Yeah, I agree defensively for sure. And then offensively to your point. Yeah. I was expecting a little bit more of just the feel, the, the passing to show up and it really hasn't, I don't know exactly how much of that is due to the situation at Duke, but he, he rarely starts with the ball outside the three-point line, he's pretty much just catching the ball most of the time at the elbow or even on the block. And at this point in his college career, it's just so easy for him to score from those spots. And so that's mostly what he's been doing. But I certainly would like to see and feel more comfortable with his passing and just maybe his ability to handle and kind of start some of his attacks from kind of outside the three-point line and diversify a little bit. And so that I agree is something I will kind of keep my eye on throughout the remainder of the season. Um, But moving on now, we've gotten through the top five guys and it is now back to you. So who do you have next up highest on your board? Yeah. So I've got Chet Holmgren next. Um, 
I'm not, you know, this is obviously like going to sound like a super exaggerated statement, but you got to remember, I haven't been doing this for too long. Um, So to me, Chet is like the best rim protecting prospect that I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Um, Just ridiculous length, um, his timing, his like body control and contortion ability. Um, Just a very incredible shot blocker. Um, And what's impressed me a lot about Chet this season is his physicality. Of course, he's very skinny um and that's been talked about a lot a little bit over discussed but um despite that he's still um you know it's you know there are times where like paula will run into him in that duke game and he got moved but at the same time he still is good i think at holding his ground um and using his length to affect shots um his finishing has been really good this year i think he's at 93 percent at the rim um, I guess some of my concerns with him are just like, what is his ideal offensive role? Cause he's a good shooter, but he isn't a great one yet. Um, and I don't, I don't know if you want him to be this, like, I don't know if you just want him to be this straight role man. Um, I don't know if he's good enough play finisher to just have that as like his only offensive usage. Um, but at the same time, he just could potentially bring a lot to the table with, um, his passing and his quick processing um, and the shot, you know, there are definitely some high end outcomes there that he could reach. Um, but yeah, I, I Chet is fan. I think the main appeal for me is just that, that room protection. Yeah. I don't disagree with any of the defensive stuff. And for those that want to hear more on Chet, I had Chip Jones on my show, I believe it was two weeks ago. And He did a really good YouTube video breaking down a lot of his views on Chet, and we discussed those on this show. So we're not going to obviously have time to get into all of those today. But yeah, it's just the offensive side of the ball where, yeah, is he just going to be a guy that spaces the floor like a Porzingis and then maybe kind of rolls to the rim out of pick and roll situations? And if so, like how valuable is the passing going to be if he doesn't have the ball that often? And You know, we saw the dribbling, we saw the ball handling in high school, but when you're over seven feet tall, your center of gravity is so high and you just, you have guys getting into your body when you're dribbling in the NBA, it's just really hard to kind of utilize that passing. And, And to compare him with Evan Mobley, he just doesn't have that same like fluidity and dexterity offensively or just that that uh those movement skills that Mobley do which kind of separates them however defensively yeah like he is one of the best shot blockers I've seen one of the best just rim protectors and rim deterrents where you watch games against Gonzaga and teams just get around the rim don't even look at the rim dribble back out there he's he's almost the Rudy Gobert the one-man defense at times and so yeah I have no disagreements there um On the defense, I will say I had him down at ninth, and that is just kind of uh, an illustration of my worries about his offensive role in the NBA. And so swinging it back to me now, the guy I have next is Scotty Barnes, and we're going to take a break, and then I will get into him, and we will finish up the list after we hear from some of our sponsors. 
Bet Online has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the college bowl seasons and the pro football playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet all of your sports, so do not wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Again, that's Bet Online where the game starts. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and it is now the new year, or at least it's approaching pretty quickly. So that means many people have New Year's resolutions. If yours includes anything about getting fit or eating healthier, you should probably include Built Bar in that plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar, but it is still healthy for you. So you want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring, right? By like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where is the chocolate? Well, Built Bars are 100% covered in chocolate too. So to me, this is something I'm going to include in my New Year's resolution because Built Bar sends me bars, they taste great, and they're healthy. So why not do it? Maybe do it along with me as well. So the offer we have for you today is go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Again, Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Okay, so Scotty Barnes, I had him eighth pre-draft and basically he's been the guy we expected defensively and he has been everything we did not did not expect offensively where I think he's yeah I think I checked again and he's still been like the most effective pull-up shooter out of all the rookies um just the mid-range shot the pull-up has been there way quicker than I thought I mean I didn't know if we'd really ever see that from him I thought he would get like I thought the catch and shoot jumper would get to a spot eventually where it would kind of open up the rest of his game or at least meet the threshold of good enough. But he's surpassed that. He still isn't taking many catch and shoot threes, but again, the pull up and just the ability to score. Um, so his whole season has been good, but I do think he has turned a little bit of a corner over the last 10 games or so in terms of his impact on the court, like when I actually watch the games, you can feel his imprint more. And also his numbers over those last 10 games are 17 points, three and a half assists, eight rebounds on 51, 40, 74 splits. So he, last week I revealed kind of my rookie of the year ballot to this point, And I had him number two behind Evan Mobley. I'm just very surprised by his ability to score and what we've seen from him offensively to this point. Combine that with the elite length and mobility defensively with the feel. And it's a guy that, frankly, I wasn't that low on at eighth, but I was still too low. Um, remind me, Will, where you had Scotty Barnes pre-draft. Yeah, so I actually had him even lower. I had him 11th, um, okay. mainly because I just like didn't, really know what to make of him and i think i was worried about the scoring at the pro level um like how is like how is is this a wing that can't shoot is he a big that like isn't a very explosive leaper so he's not going to be a great play finisher but yeah. i think i just overthought 
a lot of that, but there of course has been some incredible development with this pull-up shooting. Yep. Um, like, you know, he's hitting turnaround jumpers, those little baby hooks and I mean, legitimate pull-ups. So yeah, I mean, I think the touch is just better than I thought it would be. Um, and it's not like he has a super like tight handle and he isn't like incredibly explosive, but it seems like with his length and the, of course the touch as well, he's always able to get those little mid range and close shots up and yeah, I mean, he's been playing great. I mean, I, I was worried about his scoring and he's averaging like 16 a game as a rookie. So yeah, he's um, leading all rookies in scoring and rebounding and doing it on solid efficiency. And I had the same worries with Franz Wagner too. And he's scoring what, like 14, 15 points a game as well. And so that's interesting. One of the takeaways from that for me is when you combine high level feel with outstanding length, especially and guys that do have at least a level of just perimeter-oriented skills. Because we often talk about in the NBA, there is more space. You know, the space opens up, the floor opens up. Well, to be able to take advantage of that, you have to at least have like good feel to understand the angles and the balance of the floor or be able to actually dribble. And those guys can generally do both, even though none of neither of them really have like that tight of a handle. So just that size combined with the feel and at least some level of perimeter ball skills is certainly something that I've, I've learned that, you know, we see the small ball, but in reality, it's just getting as much skill on the floor as you can. Positional size to me is still undervalued. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think going back to Scotty's defense too, you mentioned how he turned a corner in the last 10 games. I actually like, I'm not going to act like I watch every single Raptors game, but yeah. like I think early in the season compared to now, Scotty has definitely even looked a lot more comfortable defensively. Like I think yeah, early on exactly. in the season, he was even like, there were definitely times where he was like kind of losing track of his man off ball and things like that. But you're just seeing that less and less now. Um, so yeah, I mean, kudos to Scotty. He's definitely making me look like a fool for having him 11th. Yeah, where did you have him on this uh, list right now in terms of looking forward? Um, I had him at one, two, three, four, five. I had him at six. All right, we are in lockstep. I had him sixth as well. So that was my pick, right? Is it back to you now? Yeah, I think it's back to me. And this okay. is a guy you were talking about earlier, but um, Franz Wagner. Okay. Um, so yeah, I had him five going into that draft, um, and I think you know, he's kind of just put his do it all skill set on full display this year, even though the magic have been pretty terrible. Um, but you know, his cutting has been amazing. The release looks a little bit quicker on his jumper, although he's still at like six attempts per hundred. So it's not like he's totally gunning them, but at the same time, he's been asked to have some creation reps, which is really good. He looks very comfortable handling in secondary pick and roll, getting to the rim, getting to that floater. Um, and the decision-making has been good. He's a very good passer. Um, just a guy who's consistently making the right play on offense, which I think is kind of what we expected. Um, and then defensively, he's just a large dude that yeah. gets in the way of things and his length is so disruptive. Um, so yeah, I feel... I feel like Franz is definitely a guy I hit on in last class, 20 games in at least. Um, yep. But yeah, I have him. I have him here. I, I have him and Barnes back to back um, on my list. Yeah. 
so this was the inverse for me where you had Scotty Barnes a little lower. I had Franz a little lower. I had him 11th or 12th on my board pre-draft. And in this exercise, in terms of looking forward, um, I, I had him as my honorable mention. And so maybe I'm sticking too much to my evaluation pre-draft, which I loved him defensively. My worry was just the offense where um, I, I didn't think he was very assertive and I didn't think he could really create much at all in the half court. Now, I, I viewed him as like a solid role player where I talk about that grease guy that kind of helps the offense run efficiently. He's going to make the quick decision. He'll take the open shot if it's there. But like you said, the, the jumper is wasn't that quick. He didn't take that many. And I was a little bit lower just on the jumper in general. So that was the reason I had him lower. Maybe I'm sticking too much to that. I have him as basically... Um, the, the best of the rest here. So like number 11 on my board. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I will say he's shooting the highest percentage, I believe, of guys that have at least played a certain amount of games among rookies. He's shooting 40% on catch and shoot threes. I expect that to come down a little bit. And uh, that I just don't think that quite sustains. And so we'll see what his numbers look like at the end of the year. But yeah, he's already been creating on the ball, like running some pick and roll in the half court. He's led his NBA team in scoring already, which the Magic are pretty bad, but very similar to Scotty Barnes. He's been better offensively than I expected, though I'm not quite as ready to believe it's as real as it is with Scotty Barnes. But maybe that's me hanging on too much to my pre-draft evaluation. So I had him 11th. Um, we'll swing it back to me now. And I've got another guy from the last class up next. That's Jalen Suggs. And the way that I'll phrase this to you, Will, I don't know if you saw, but I posted a poll on Twitter, I think like last week and asked, looking forward, who would people prefer, Jaden Ivey or Jalen Suggs? I thought that was an interesting comparison. And I believe... It came out about 65% to Jaden Ivey and 35% to Suggs. I have them back-to-back -back here on my board in this exercise with Suggs coming in one spot above Jaden Ivey. Where do you land comparing those two guys? Yeah, I mean, I think... I, I like want to say Ivey just because I was... I love Ivy and yeah. Suggs has struggled in the NBA You're one so of the far. First guys I saw talk about Jaden Ivy last year. Yep. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a I'm a definitely a big Ivy fan, but at the same time, I was also a very big Jalen Suggs fan. I had him fourth last year, and I don't want to abandon that 20 games into his NBA career. Yeah. Um, like I think there are definitely some real concerns with uh, with Suggs. Like I think some of those finishing issues have definitely reared their head. Um, and I think Gonzaga was able to hide that pretty well just with their transition, like fast paced style play. But in the half court, I don't think his finishing has been, been very good. And he, it never seemed like he really had that in between game in college. And I think that's probably going to need to develop for did him. Not, to did not have a floater ever. And he's really struggled with that. You'll yeah. see him run, pick and roll, kind of get the defender in jail and just not really know how to execute from there. So I think that is a really good point. Yeah. I think to me, that's like, 
looking back on my evaluation of him, that's something I kind of missed. Like I knew that there were some finishing issues and I knew that the floater wasn't really there, but I didn't put two and two together and say like, Hey, he's going to get to the NBA. Finishing is going to be even tougher. Um, As a guard, you probably want to have that close range floater. Um, So I think that's something that's going to need to come for him, but you know, I don't think he has bad touch. I think there's definitely, um, like, I think he's shooting worse than you'd expect. Like, I think the three point percentage is probably going to come up. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess going back to your Ivy Suggs question, I'd probably go with Suggs still. Okay. Yeah. I had them one spot apart. The, the main difference there for me is the defense where I think Suggs that's translated, you know, pretty well from what I've been able to see already. I viewed him as a potential, like I, if I had to bet, I might not say that he's an all NBA guy or all defensive guy, but he's that caliber of a defender in my opinion. And I, I think, you know, we've at least seen enough to say that that was a fair assessment. So that's kind of where he separates himself is, is the defense. And I'll be interested to see who ends up shooting better long-term. I think that'll be interesting, but I, I think I'm a little higher on Suggs's jumper long-term than others are as well. So I think, I think the jumper is what you're going to see Suggs improve at. And I hope he can kind of finish or figure out some of the things we've been talking about with kind of the nuanced execution and pick and roll and like the finishing in the half court. But Suggs too, like maybe I overvalue just his uh, intangibles. Like the dude is a stud, a winner in the biggest moments. That stuff is always so hard to quantify, and I did value that to a certain extent. So we'll see how much that comes into play throughout his NBA career, and that'll be kind of another data point for us there. Um, so did you have – I had them back-to-back on my board, so I went Suggs. Uh, who are you going to go with next for your selection? Yeah, I had Ivy next. I had like a okay. little trio here of Ivy, Suggs, and Giddy. Um, okay. So all those three are very close for me. So um, Giddy did make your list too then? Was that number nine? I had him, I think, 11. 11, okay. Yeah, I think I had Suggs 8, Ivy 9, or wait, Suggs 9, Ivy 10, and Giddy 11. Okay. Um, so who do you have above that? I think you still got somebody left, right? So let me just look. I had Mobley, Cade, Jabari, Chet, uh, Franz, Barnes, Green, Paulo, Giddy, or sorry, Suggs, Ivy, and Giddy. Okay, so we have covered all those guys so ivy was next and then you had giddy okay is that 11 guys or 10 i think that i think giddy is the 11th okay so let me go run through my top i had mobley green boncaro smith cade barnes suggs ivy chet and then my 10th guy which is a bit of a surprise is alperin shengun i had a 10th was he a guy you considered or or not really um not really that much i mean i had him like 19 pre-draft so i don't want to like come come up like way too much on him um my next guy was actually another kind of surprising one in this year's class so i'm very high on but that's johnny davis yeah Um, yeah yeah. we we talked about him in the or uh i don't know a few months ago before the college season started as a guy to keep an eye on he is he's been one of my guys kind of uh in the past so it's been kind of fun to see him blow up and have a ridiculous start to the year for Wisconsin. 
yeah, no, I've, I've been, I've been very impressed with Jonathan Davis. And I think even like on that podcast, we talked about this, uh, on Twitter DM or whatever, but like, I feel like I was more skeptical of him reaching this point just because I was worried about him being a six, five guy that did not seem willing to take many threes at all, even though he's a pretty good shooter, as we know. Yeah. Um, and I think that's still an issue, but at the same time, like the combination of off the dribble shot making and strength and um, burst and anticipation on defense, it's all just like a really great package. Um, yeah. yeah. To me, he's, you know, a fantastic process prospect and one that I think belongs in the top half of the lottery. Yeah. I, I love that you have him on there. And to add to that, when you add in, uh, this situation he's in where frankly outside of Brad Davison that Wisconsin team is just a very meh like middle of the road probably bottom half of the Big Ten team there's not a lot of talent there and I've talked a lot lately about guys that kind of under the radar are struggling to finish in the half court like Trevor Keels is a guy I talked about even with limited spacing and teammates around him, he's getting to the rim a ton and shooting 56% only in the half court. And then he's obviously getting some transition looks, which are good as well. But to add to that, like his ability to create and make tough shots, I have it written down somewhere. I think he's shooting on 47 pull-ups, 48 points. So just over one point per possession, which again, you factor in the context in his age. 82nd percentile in all of college basketball and pull up jump shots. So like he can create easy baskets for himself. He can create and make difficult shots and he's just straight up made more catch and shoot threes this year too. So he's kind of in a sense answered most all of the questions we had about him as a prospect. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very in on Jonathan Davis. I think there's definitely, there's times where it's still, you know, he'll pass up an open catch and shoot three for a two dribble pull up. But yeah. I think he's still gotten better in that regard. Yep. Okay. So to finish up, let's just give quickly um, our honorable mentions or like next best. I'll do mine. I mentioned Franz already. And the other two guys, well, I had three other guys. Johnny Davis, you mentioned it is last, but then also I have Franz Wagner AJ Griffin and Kendall Brown also who I put in that group. Um, so those were kind of like the next four, the next tier. Um, who do you have as the next best on your list who just m- missed the cut? Yeah. So I had, I had Moody who I had sixth pre-draft Ooh. last year. And I also had, I, I, you know, I just don't want to move him down too much because he hasn't like really had that much playing time in the NBA. And then no. uh, and he's AJ- looked good in the G league. Yeah, um, yeah, he's, he's looked good from the G League stuff I've seen too. And then AJ Griffin as well. Okay, sounds good. So interesting list. We had uh, a lot of guys in the same spot. I think maybe I had Cade a little bit lower and Chet a little bit lower. Those were kind of really the, the differences. And then I had Green a few spots higher than you did. But uh, thank you, Will, for taking the time to come and discuss this today. I thought it was a fun exercise. Pretty difficult, but good to see we had a lot in similar and could talk through a couple of the differences. Again, I think I mentioned at the top, but follow Will on Twitter. He's a very good NBA draft 
follow on Twitter. It's at W underscore A W score Morris. And Will, anything else uh, you'd like to plug before we finish up today? Um, no, I, I just say thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, we, we will certainly be doing it again sometime um, in the next couple months. Will is one of my favorite guests to have on. So again, thank you, Will. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. I always appreciate it. Well, that was an awesome conversation. Really enjoyed having Will on. It's always an insightful discussion. And thank you to all my listeners for tuning in today. Thank you for making the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast your first listen today. And hopefully that's the case every day. Because you enjoyed our podcast, you'd also likely enjoy the Locked On Bets Podcast, which is your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. That's Locked On Bets hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It is free and available on all platforms. Thank you.